Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another always exciting episode of How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood, starring two beautiful babes, <laughs> two good old Southern gals, you know, that's right, two superstars of internet fame, podcast, old Hollywood movie fame, podcasting fame. I'm Moya. <laughs> and I'm Georgia. And Moya, my podcaster, I say Padna. Padna. I love that. <laughs> I love that. We're going to roll it. P-O-D-N-A-H. Padna. <laughs> However you want to spell it. N-E-R-N-A-H. You are more than welcome to that. Um, and Georgia looks really nice today, guys. I, I forgot to tell you, Georgia, you look really nice. Um, she's all blinded out. So, so did you go to hairdresser? Oh, what did you do? Oh, you just what happened? No, girl, it's my homemade. <laughs> I did it myself. <laughs> totally do it yourself. <laughs> look, thank God for the hair box color. Thank you, Lord, for yeah. that. And let me tell you how cheap I am, guys. So you know. Ladies listening, you know, who color, who ladies who color uh, their hair at home. So, you know, there's the, you know, the upper shelf of the color, like, which costs, I mean, I'm not paying that for no damn box color. I mean, that's the point. We're cheap. So I'm not, I'm not going to pay the pack, pay the price of what a pack of chicken wings used to be to color my damn hair. So, you know, I learned uh, how they, how they stage stuff on shelves you always look at the lowest shelf because that's where the lowest prices are so i look down and i'm not gonna say which brand because they ain't paying me to say which brand but this brand has been around probably since the 50s and 50s and 60s so georgia i use my box don't cost no more than three bucks now true you have to stand to the you have to stand to the dryer for every dollar you spend on the box so you know, your hair can turn that color. But I, you know, I pick a day when I ain't got nothing to do. And honey, I'm going to spend them three hours on the color in my hair to the beautiful Lucy, Lucille Ball color hair that it is. <laughs> the color that it is. <laughs> but yeah, you look lovely. <laughs> well, thank you, Moya. Yeah, it's like the old uh, commercials. You know, they used to, only her hairdresser knows for sure. But uh, right. yeah. Right. Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm a little. My hair is like a natural, like dishwater or dirty blonde. So yeah, I get a little help from uh, Lady Clara. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that name. They ain't giving us no money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all, how you said eighty leg all uh, all roll okay? <laughs> well, if they saw it, they might lose money. Oh, <laughs> oh no! No, they would not. It does not. No, it it looks it. It looks really good. It, I'm not saying. <laughs> Thank <it>. you. <laughs> no, it looks good, guys. Um, so we're gonna get started. Even though we're talking about girly, girly stuff, we have a a real manly movie today, don't we, George? We have another one, and we and then, and we gave you a preview last time we were together. We told you all that you know last time we did um the Seven Samurai, and it just goes to reason that you have to do. The Magnificent Seven, another great one. Yeah, absolutely. We have Man, to do I mean, that. this is like, we've got two really testosterone-fueled uh, movies, and I love them. I mean, love, manly, full of manly men and big-name stars. 
Yes. Um, and I was trying to figure it out. So let me, I, I want to guess about it. I, you know, I love to guess. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'm pretty sure our listeners will correct me. And that's absolutely no problem. But McQueen, so George, I know you're the queen of all our research and trivia. McQueen was, was this, well, it obviously was after the blob, you know, that was his first major film. Right. And, but was this after or, or, or between, what was the show he was on? And I love that Western Wanted show. Wanted Dead or Alive. Yeah. I've got some great info about that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to talk too much. So Georgia, you go ahead on, but I know for, I ain't going to say for a fact, but this movie made Colburn a star and Bronson. Because they were so You're young. absolutely right. Right. Absolutely, it did. They were so young. Them stars. Yeah. And this is what really launched Steve McQueen. Okay. Uh, and Yul Brenner had a lot of say in the casting of this movie. And mm -hmm. he actually asked for, for Steve McQueen. He would later on regret it, but more about that later. <laughs> okay. But Steve McQueen was in the process of filming his, his TV series, Wanted Dead I or Alive. I love that show. And that... And, and I love it too, but they didn't want to let him out of it. Mm -hmm. And so this is what he did to get out of it. He was a race car driver, very skilled. And so he took a car out and what he did was he staged it so that he wrecked it. And he said, oh, I've got whiplash and now I've got to wear a neck brace. <laughs> and so they went, oh no. So now you can't film your series with the darn neck brace you got to wear. So what he did was he shows up on the set of Magnificent Seven and says, I'm here I'm and here. I'm ready. <laughs> and and so that's how he got into uh, filming Magnificent Seven. That's brilliant. Oh, man, that's so slick. That is super slick. It was slick. It was very slick. But there's there's more to all this. Okay. And what happened is... Um, well, wait, let's, let's give him the plot. So... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so look. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Georgia and I are probably the... Well, Georgia, because I had actually seen The Magnificent Seven before, but it had been years. So Georgia was probably the only person left on the planet, or certainly in America, and in her age group, <laughs> let me let me really drill it down, who had never seen... I was shocked. Like, Georgia, how in the hell you didn't see The Magnificent Seven? Come on. So Georgia hadn't seen it, but I was happy because, you know, it, it, to our benefit. So she hadn't seen it. But anyway, well, so if you saw the Seven Samurai guys, it's basically the same story except for a set in, in America. And Georgia will get into all that. And there's Mexican villagers, uh, my, farmers, minus uh, uh, Japanese farmers and all that kind of stuff. And it's basically the same part. For those of you who don't know, the, the poor villagers have been... Uh, another, I'm another huge fan of this guy, Eli Wallach. This is what made him. He's young. He's young. It's probably in Georgia. Probably tell us about I love Eli Wallach. You know him from Tuco, from the Spaghetti yes. Westerns with Clint Eastwood. And guys, we're going to get to those Clint Eastwood um, movies because I can look at those over and over and over. But anyway, um, he's the bandit. Cal Calvera. Cal Calvera. Am I saying it right? Caldera. Yes. Calvera. And so he's leading the beast band. It's, it's literally the same plot. And they're going to, you know, straight up jack these poor villagers and stuff. So the villagers go. they like, we ain't taking it no more. They go into town to try to find the, the Magnificent Seven set of swords or samurai's gunmen. So it's the same story. So after that, we don't want to give away too much. But, you know, uh, comedy, dramedy ensues and action, action, action. So now, said all that to say, Georgia, go with your trivia because we love your trivia. Well, this movie is the second most shown film in the United States 
in TD history is behind only the Wizard of Oz. Get out of here. Yes, I know. It's shocking. It's amazing. And I was, I, I would have been culturally deprived this whole time by not. <laughs> I love it. And now I can. And so I, I was, because it shows all the time on TCM and all over the place. But yeah, yeah I was, sure. I was shocked. I'd never seen it. But uh, this, uh, but you know what I like about this movie is it has kind of like. A Saturday matinee adventure yes, it tone to it, which yes, is, it really does, which makes it kind of kind of fun. But yeah, this this movie is just loaded with star power. Yes, because we've got besides uh, Yul Brenner, and originally they wanted to cast um, oh I'll say his name um, Anthony Quinn in the role, but they went with oh, Yul Brenner. Really? Okay. And so Yul Brenner had a lot of say in the casting, and he uh, selected Steve McQueen, and then they, of course, as you mentioned, the wonderful stage actor Eli Wallach. They had Charles Bronson, James Coburn, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Robert Vaughn, Brad mm-hmm. Dexter, and they thought a very up and coming star would be Horace Buchholz, mm-hmm. and so that's how he got okay. cast in the role of Chico, the right. you know the young, right? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so. One of the things that I wanted to say about this movie that people may not know about is John Sturgis was the director, but he became terrified with how quickly he lost control of the whole cast. And I'll tell you why that happened. Because there was so much competitiveness with the egos. They Mm -hmm. kept trying to upstage each other so much in the various scenes. And the person who was especially bad was Steve McQueen because he kept pulling stunts on Yul Brenner, And uh, then that got the rest of the cast doing that with each other. And um, so when Steve McQueen was dying of cancer later on, he said, you know, uh, he called uh, Yul Brenner and he thanked him for casting him in the movie because he said, you know, without you, I wouldn't have been in this picture and it wouldn't have launched my career. Mm-hmm. And Yul Brenner said, well, you know, you were, I was like the king and you were like the rebel prince and you were every bit as royal and dangerous to cross. <laughs> and so, so what happened was he kept trying to, you know, hog uh, the limelight or steal the limelight from him. And he, and even though uh, Yul Brenner was only a half inch taller than Steve McQueen, he stood on this mound of dirt <laughs> when they did see together. And so every time that Steve McQueen would walk by, he'd kick at the mound of dirt oh, to lower it. I love it. I and love so it. if you watch the various scenes, Steve McQueen is going to be doing something in the background to kind of distract away from Yul Brenner. And then uh, Yul, Eli Wallach was such a strong presence mm-hmm. whenever he appears in his scenes as the bandit that everybody was afraid that he was going to upstage them. And mm-hmm. so so they were kind of worried about Eli Wallach too. So what you're seeing is so totally different from the way Akira Kurosawa yes. was able to have control or command yes. of his movie. Yes. Because he was such a strong director. And th- and what happened on the production of this movie was totally <laughs> different. So mm-hmm. that's one of the contrasts that I wanted to draw between it's evident. Seven Samurai. Yeah, it is evident. It is very <laughs> evident. I the Seven Samurai is you know even though uh, this is two hours long, I believe. Um, Step Seven Samurai is three, um, and and we talked about it in our previous episode the pacing. To in my opinion, was the star of the movie, um, pacing and production. But yeah, and, and I totally get that. So what you're saying, I I felt I felt, but but it worked, Georgia. That. 
toxic you know and that competitiveness you had like we were saying uh with the casting in um uh, uh seven samurai this is pitch perfect casting and these guys you felt a sense of uh action and and urgency and 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 manliness and longingness that and and to, so to, back to what you were saying about McQueen and Yul Brenner. If anyone uh had a chance to know about Steve McQueen's background, he had a horrible childhood. I mean, horrible. His it's a typical mom, uh, you know, I think baby out of wedlock or young mother. Then you get the stepdad from hell. Till McQueen basically was an orphan, ran away. I mean, he was a child and then, you know, wound up in the Navy. So I think that sense of insecurity and that stepdad issues and all that with older men, even people on his same, uh, he's, he did that to Paul Newman, you know, when they were in the Tower Inferno, they clacked, because he was, he, in his mind, he made Paul Newman his, uh, his target for success. And when he got to that level on Newman, on Newman's uh, level in Tower Inferno, notice how their names, it got that bad. Like whose name would appear first in the opening credits of Tower Inferno. So that's why you see, uh, don't ask me which one is first, but one name is at the top, one name is at the bottom. Like one name, one name came in first. I mean, it was, so that's, that's, I think that's what fed into McQueen, that insecurity. Yeah. And, um, and, but I am, I am a huge Steve McQueen fan. The man is sex. He is so sexy. Oh my gosh. So go ahead, George. I'm sorry. I was, I was daydreaming again. Go ahead, honey. Oh, but yeah, but boy, he is the king of cool. Yeah. That's if right. anything he does, he's like the ultimate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he just pulls that off. Yeah. So amazingly. Well, Yul Brenner is too. Oh yeah. Yul Brenner McQueen was mad is, sexy. is like really in a, in, on I a love different plane there. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I have to say something kind of funny. I got to sneak this in. Okay, so we all know it was filmed in Mexico. And the Mexican government had censors there and they had people to oversee the filming of the movie because they wanted to make sure that the uh, Mexican culture and the country Ooh. was portrayed in a positive light. Okay. And so when you see the scenes where you have the peasants, the, the Mexican farmers, mm -hmm. have you noticed that their clothing is always stark? white that's it is true that's true <laughs> it's always white white clean 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 so have you ever seen a farmer who right that? yeah <laughs> and but one of the funny things that happened is because it was filmed in mexico all everybody on the cast got diarrhea revenge oh no yeah they got montezuma's revenge damn yeah they oh, that's hard. i've had it damn it and it ain't no joke oh i have too because damn i've it. been to mexico oh. no laughing matter that's different from yep. a, that's the look y'all gonna say that's racist go 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 sit and spin no bruh whatever that no. mexican bug man look that's on a whole nother level. That it, it look, I, it's a backhanded compliment. It kicks the American bugs behind. <laughs> this it ain't no oh, joke. It, does. it ain't no joke. It does. I've had it, so I can tell you. But but uh one of the other things that I wanted to, to say, because I was listening to the music that really set the tone for the seven samurai. And of course, this is the most epic yes! film score. Yes! And they won the Academy, they won the Academy Award. Magnificent Seven, the uh, composer Elmer Bernstein, mm -hmm. because this is one of the best known yeah. ever 
movie well, scores yes. ever composed. That's correct. And and so the uh, Marlboro Cigarette Company bought the rights oh. to it and used it in their cigarette commercials. Mm. Now, amazingly, it did not win the Oscar. It was up. It was nominated for best film score, but it lost out to uh, the theme to Exodus that year. Huh? Exodus. What's yeah. That? What's that? Oh, it's a gorgeous. It's well, I I don't want to throw any shade on Exodus because that's a beautiful film score, but this one is just so enduring and iconic. And, oh, I don't know. Yeah. What movie is that? I'm gonna have to look that up. I've never heard of that movie. Oh, maybe I do, and I don't know what it is. Oh, Exodus. Oh, yeah. Uh, Exodus is is um about uh, the founding or beginning of uh, it's all about Israel. Oh, it's a beautiful. Is Paul movie. Newman in that? I oh, no, I'm recall. thinking about something else. I'm going to go look it up. Okay, while you're talking, let me look. Yeah, not, you got it, to, but it has a beautiful theme song. I need song to, to know Exodus. what that is. Yeah, it's about Israel, and it's the, the country is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful movie. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, I was so taken with how um, this movie was... Yeah, Paul Newman is in that. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I, I did not see that. But yes, Paul Newman and Paul Newman, Sal Mineo and Eva Marie Saint and Peter Lawford. Yeah, they're they're in that. Okay, gotcha. Hmm. Now, I, one of the things that I really liked about this movie is how they tried to stay so true, you know, to it. They they tried in, in so many ways. Mm -hmm. But of course, I have to admit. Seven Samurai, if I had to pick, I'd say it is, it really is the better movie. It is. Um, because it is. They, they spend so much more time on character yes. development. Yes, yes. And yeah. whereas this movie, the, the you don't see the differentiation no. as much between no. the character. No, and I, and, <clears throat> yeah, and I wonder why, uh, and I, you know, no, and it's still a great movie, but um, who knows why? And, and I'm glad you, something we left out now, Seven Samurai, Toho Productions, home of the king of the monsters, Godzilla. We forgot to leave that out. I mean, we left that out. Um, and and if you and I'm going to give a shameless plug. If you did not go see Godzilla versus King Kong, the recent movie, go and see it, man. It was great. Wasn't no foolishness in it. It was just straight up rock'em sock'em. Uh, what they call a Japanese word? I forgot the name for uh monsters, but yeah, go and see that. So Toho still kicking, man. Still kicking, but. With God, with the King of the Monsters, Gojira, <clears throat> and uh, and um, Georgia had a kimono on <laughs> last week, and I for we forgot to bring it up. <laughs> she had a kimono, so I said I was gonna remember to say that. <laughs> All right, back to the Magnificent Seven. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh goodness, you know, um. I I really was taken with the way um, they they showed the Calvera character how he's so much better developed. You know the bandit yeah, is because he is. Yes. Eli Wallach does such a brilliant job because you know you, you notice he tries to have like the gold teeth and yes. wear gold and all that, <laughs> but but the way they develop him, yes, because he he you see his motivation because he he claims that you know his men are starving. He he, he makes himself out like he's a father figure. Right. And he kind of acts, right. He's very complex. His, his worldview is so skewed, and he makes for a very fascinating 
fascinating bad guy. Yes. And, you know, because he even gives them a chance. He goes, oh, I'm going to let you get out of town. And I'm going to give, a, give yeah. you guys, you know, your guns back after. That was so interesting. He tries to say, well, you know, I'm kind of a benevolent guy. And, you know, and and he says a, a line in there. He goes, well, if uh, God meant for them to be sheep. And so that's yeah. why they're being sheared <laughs> right. or something I, like I, that. I, I, like, I love it. You know, so I, I thought, you know, that's really kind of an interesting way that that Magnificent Seven does the does the villain better. Yeah, the I totally picked up on that too. And something else he said <laughs> when he um first encounters Yule Brenner and the rest of the six, <clears throat> he said, My first mistake was generosity. I should have never left them enough to eat. And, and then he says to and I was <laughs> yes. screaming. I said, I love it. This man is a psychopath. And he don't even he doesn't even really like you said, George, in his mind. He is being kind and generous. I love it. He, he's, he, I, I'm glad you brought that up. He, I ain't gonna say he stole a movie, but he had the, he, he became a legend. You know, everybody think it was Tuco and he killed Tuco. I mean, when he was with Clint Eastwood, um, and you know, I can't remember which one it was, cause I lump all of the uh, Clint Eastwood's movies together. So I'm sorry, but, um, but no, Eli the, the Cal, Cal, Calvero was the sh jumping off point for Tuco and uh, those spaghetti westerns. And, but yet he, he did not play the same villain. And people, he's really unsung. Eli Wallach, I love him. And I think this was his first movie when he was in Baby Doll. Uh, this was like the late. 40s, early 50s, with him and Carol Baker and and Carl Malden. If you, it's a Tennessee Williams play. Uh, as a movie based on his play. Please look at that. Go check out early Eli Wallet because he always was playing like a villain or a smarmy person. He is pitch perfect in that. So I'm a huge Eli Wallet fan, really unsung in my opinion. Oh, yeah. He's brilliant in this movie. Yeah. But, you know, when I was looking at this movie and I was discussing it with somebody else, the look and and the casting of it make it seem like it was made later than 1960. And so when I tell people that, yeah. they're so surprised. It does. You're it right about more, that. A more modern or a more contemporary I feel to yeah. it. I, I totally agree with that. It looks like it's like 68 or something like that. You're oh, right. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what I thought, too. So I, I was really surprised. I, yeah, I don't know. And may, I don't know why. That's a good question. I, I feel the same way. My boy, James Colburn, has made him a star because prior to this, yeah. I think he was, he was just doing a lot of TV and stuff. And you can see everybody's, like, really young in this. And, um, and, uh, and, and I, so I don't know why his scene with the knife, the knife fight, yeah. I remember that scene for some reason because I hadn't seen The Magnificent Seven. I'm telling you, it had to be 10 plus years. But for some reason that, I guess because I don't want to give it away, but how he played that and what he did in that scene was so cold-blooded. And, and I'm not saying a mean way, but just like cool, super cool. So look, guys, it, all the men out there, the males, <laughs> if, you wanna, if you want a lesson on how to be cool, <laughs> I don't know if you can pull it off. I don't know. But at least look at this movie. Look at some McQueen movies. Look, look at Seven Samurai. Look at these dude films and like try to emulate because <laughs> he's the, you know, you probably can't because of course, you know, it's a, you know, it's a movie, <laughs> but I would still try because man, Georgia, these guys, weren't they sexy? They were so sexy. Oh, 
Oh yeah. Even Chico uh, had sex appeal, and he was like the kid. Yes, know. he did in his own way. He did. Yeah, he, he did. did. <laughs> yes, I have to agree with you. Even though the poor guy, while they were filming it, he shot himself in the leg by accident. <gasps> but thank God, his gun was loaded with. with oh light. no! <laughs> it raised a big welt. <laughs> yeah. So he was Chico in real life. He was a real life Chico. <laughs> he was. <laughs> Stop! Stop! so funny <laughs> yeah but so you know it, the the romantic story is not as well developed in this one it doesn't measure up no, the other one no you know has has in a way a much more realistic feel to it because you know there's the crossover the class between the two in seven samurai whereas this you know chico's revealed as also being you know a, a, a farmer you know just like you know the girl is and then they end up together and then but with uh, the seven samurai you know, the now wait a minute. Don't give it. Don't 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 give anything away. <laughs> okay. Well, you gotta watch. Yeah. To see how the romance ends up playing out. Yeah. And compare and contrast the two. Yes. Yes. So don't we don't we don't want and like I said, George is the only person and certainly in America who in her age group has who has not seen it. So so we I know. So we <laughs> might not be giving giving anything away at this point. But for those of you who have not seen it, because there are some people who have not seen it. Some, some, uh, you know, the, the youth of America who are into these old movies. So definitely check this one out as a first, you know, maybe as an intro. I still say look at seven. If you look at one, I don't think if you look at one of the other first, like you're like, oh, I should have looked at this one. You know, you can look at them however you want. You know, obviously yeah. Seven Samurai is first. They come Magnificent Seven. So if you don't, if you don't look at them in order, it, it, it's, it's perfectly fine. Um, but definitely, if you're a Western fan, if you are a true Western fan, you have to. There, these are. This is an essential, right, Georgia? This is an essential. Oh, absolutely, hands down. Yes, yeah, right. Um, and so now back to that film score. I kept hearing the Big Valley's theme, the Barbara Stanwyck movie, oh. uh, TV shows. When I heard, and I was like, "Damn, this sounds like the Big Valley." And I mean, and you know, you can have variations. You can have takes, if you will, on music, and and that's nothing's wrong with that. But I kept hearing a bit, and but I heard several other uh, scores, Western scores, kind of. You know, something else came to my mind, but I can't remember. But anyway, yeah. Did you did you hear any other uh, movie themes or television themes like westerns? Ooh, I he did some other ones. I just okay. can't recall what they are. But yeah, that wasn't his only one. Okay. But did it make you think? This one make you oh, think yeah, it of did. others? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, it, oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Because it's just such a tie-in to where you feel like this, it, it, it makes you excited and like they're thrilled. They're on this adventure. The music is just so important to the whole thing I, yeah. that was one of the things that i just really enjoyed so much about this movie right, right. Man, the score is brilliant it is it really is. and and you know i'm not too keen on remakes um and like i said i saw this before i saw the seven samurai and i and i did not know this was a remake um but this did a brilliant job they stand alone pictures they are standalone films if you didn't know that either one existed it's okay um you know, but so there was a remake. We talked about this last episode with the Seven Samurai of 2016. I did not see it, so um, I'm not going to comment on it. But I don't think it did that well. Um, and I think maybe you know some people say, oh, because of removal, and I'm not you know politics. I ain't getting to that 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 uh 
that stuff. But there are just some movies should not be remade. remade. How about that? Some some people who lived in the sixties and and maybe some people those, those people are still alive and remember them those movies. You know, so you just can't say just try. I don't think that the people who made the twenty sixteen one was trying to necessarily erase the nineteen sixty one um, or supplant. You know, but don't do it. Like Gone with the Wind, this movie and several others. You know, Casablanca and. Citizen Kane, don't remake those movies because it's a different look. Like George and I said before on several occasions, the actors are different. You can get the best actors in the world, but the actors are different. They carry themselves differently. They have different life experiences that, like I said, McQueen, they bring that to the role. And the time, the time era is different. People, you know what I mean? So yes. if you don't have, you need to have all these things working in Georgia. Uh, in my notes, I said, this is one of those rare movies that was lightning in a bottle because everybody came, became either bigger stars or stars and the, and the remake did not stink. That is so rare in Hollywood, you know? They gamble and they won. They did. And, you know, and it was Yul Brenner's idea to actually make uh, Seven Samurai into a Western. Okay. Believe it, it, it or not, it was, it was his idea and they decided to go with it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was... I couldn't help but contrast um, the Kambe character, you know, the one who was the leader, mm -hmm. you know, with the Yul Brenner character. And um, there was something that I thought was just a line that Kambe says and the Seven Samurai mm -hmm. that really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. And he said he's talking to the to the young man, you know, he's yeah. kind of like the apostle. Right. And he go and he says something like, you know, I was once your age and he tells him, gives him advice. He says, hone your skills, go to war, do great things and then become Lord of your castle and domain. And then, but as you dream your dreams before you know it, your hair will go gray as mm -hmm. mine. And by that time you've lost your parents and you're all alone. And when I listened to that, I thought, oh my gosh, he's describing life in like a minute. Yes. And, and it was like, that is so, po it was poetic. And then when you look at the way he, the actor does this, he, um, not only does he get in, I think probably maybe the best line of the movie, mm -hmm. but his deadpan is always yes. so perfect. He manages to look like all this, his, his, way of doing it is very straightforward yes. but he can always look at the same time he'll look surprised he'll look amused yeah. disappointed and just resigned to everything right. all at the same time yes and it is it is so Perfect. good so i want to say when you watch the performance take a look at the way the leader expresses himself whenever he is there the camera is on him yeah the seven samurai she's talking about mm-hmm yeah, and the Seven Samurai. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I, there is yes, there's still some fun in amusing lines. Oh, in that's hilarious! And one of my favorite ones. Is, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for our viewers, but there's a scene with Steve McQueen, and he's sharing some food with with the villagers, and it just there's a line that he says, <laughs> and it I was rolling on the floor laughing. Oh my gosh, I thought it was hilarious. So you. I mean, it does have humor and comedy, oh, yeah. just like The Seven Samurai has. It's got drama, comedy, a wonderful mix. I thought uh, it, they did a wonderful homage. Yes. I would yes. say 
I agree with you, Moya. It is standalone. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. I love it because you still got that swaggering. Yes. yes. Instead of with swords, you've got it with guns. Right. And and you've got the one character, James Coburn, with the knife. The scenes that he's in. Right. He is. You're just riveted. You're it's electrifying. So I've got to say. You got to see these two and appreciate them and put them on your list of must-see movies. Yes, yes. And on that note, guys, we're done. Please check out The Magnificent Seven and or Seven Samurai. And for How Betty Davis Saved My Life, I am Moya. And I'm Georgia. And don't forget, these movies have life lessons. That's why we pick them. You guys have a good one. We will see you next time.